Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Backchat. Uh, you know where to find us on socials, Backchat double underscore, or you can send us an email, hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. If you're, watching to, if you're watching us, you can listen to us on wherever you get your podcasts. If you are listening to us, you can see this beautiful man's face over on YouTube. We do everything. Thank you to our supporters and our sponsors in Whippersnapper, Shelter, Margaret River Roasting Co., uh, Blue Bet, and, of course, Leadable Cameras. I think his beautiful face was me. By the way, yeah, I was trying, trying to pick that up. Michael Barlow's in the house. Okay, Mick. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, Dan, good to be here. Yeah, very Thanks good to coming. be here. But um, you nearly run out of room for all your sponsors. Now this is getting big. We we, we also have something very special for you, and I've, I'm just going to be. I'm just speaking openly and honestly mm. here. The flag mantle merch that we've been selling here on Backchat. Nice. We have a former Fremantle player here. It's not nice, Mick. <clears throat> it's in. Tra- it's been in transit every day. We've been in Melbourne. It's now Wednesday. Still not still here. In transit. It's okay. still in a box on a truck. In Melbourne somewhere. But it'll so be parceled up and protected nicely because I don't want it to deteriorate at Correct. all. Correct. And it'll be touching the wood in the car, assumingly, with the flag mantle stuff. Now, Mick, uh, thank you for coming in. First two-time guest here at Backchat. Mm. If you remember, Derby Week. No, sorry. Not first two-time. Luke Shuey. Luke Shuey, second two-time. Oh, yep. And Luke Shuey sledged me the other day. Please, please, <laughs> he, um, please continue. Did my radio show there in Perth on a Saturday morning. We got Shuey on and... Um, They'd just beaten Eston the night before, and he took a mark in the goal square. Yes. And um, he might not have taken a mark in the goal square, but I was playing footy that day locally. And um, Zave and Luke and that asked me, where are you going to play? And, you know, you just go play full forward, wouldn't you? Or He goes, "Um," I was like, nah, I'll I'll play around the midfield because that's my bread and butter. Where were you playing? Shepherd United, Shepherd United, GVFL. One-off, one-off appearance there for my local The prodigal son returns. Yeah, 15 (laughs) years from last game to the next game. (laughs) Um, And my output was slightly under probably what everyone was expecting. Anyway, Luke (laughs) Shuey goes to me and goes, oh, mate, whatever you do, just make sure no one takes you to the goal square like I did uh, back in a derby and took a mark on me. 
So he was he was into me. Wow. And did that happen or not? And, oh, I can't recall. I can definitely remember taking you to the goal square and taking one on you. So okay. and we'll just play that highlight right now. Okay, Mick. Okay, okay. Look, you're the guest, I'm the host, we're the host. We haven't asked you the first question that we ask every guest on this show, which is we know you've done great things for the Fremantle Football Club. You're in the best players who ever played for them. You played for the Gold Coast Suns. Didn't do a huge amount there. You, you, <laughs> you, you won three Ross Glennon-Denning medals. Now uh, the Ross Glennon-Denning Allen. Allen medal. We don't care. We are here to tell you. <laughs> we do. We, you know, great football, great. But we want to know your greatest sporting achievement, not on the football oh, field. Okay, mm, cool. so look, there's some. There's been some footballers that can play cricket. There's been. Yeah. There's been. Do- we had. We had a ballet uh, dancer yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There so you, you can go. go anywhere you like. But what's some other sports that you've been doing? Well, I grew up in a sporting family. Good. And country Victoria, will like yourself, or Geelong's more probably regional nowadays. But yes. so. Did everything, swimming, basketball, cricket, tennis, netball. Mum was a prolific netball coach. And I would say my biggest achievement or in terms of outside of football was the grade six state championship yes. for the men's netball or the male boys netball, I suppose it was. <laughs> the men's. <laughs> the men's playing against the grade sixes. We were all 21. But no, we the grade <laughs> six or the primary school championships, state netball. Yes. I um I made the side when I was in grade four. Wow. So I was just walking to school one day and mum was coaching. I don't think it was highly sought after to get into the netball side at primary school. So mum had my brother and probably six of his mates in the side. And I walked past and they needed someone just to fill in yes. for, for a drill. So I filled in and mum probably, mum didn't probably, she definitely saw some potential. So I played for the, the St. Brendan's netball Side from grade four, five, and six. So I played three years. I was very established by the time we got to grade six. And in grade six, uh, we made the grand final and went under. Oh, no. So I think, I think Jared Ruffhead's side. <laughs> I, I'm nearly certain yes. Jared Ruffhead, if you ask him, was playing. Won a state netball championship. Um, He's from uh, Traugan or something, isn't he? Yes. Gippsland, so yeah, Gippsland. whatever his school is, and if he doesn't answer with that question, okay. that answer, I'll I might be lead stunned. him. I might lead him because my too. my yeah. best achievement is making the grand final. Wow, he's gone on and won it. Where'd you play? What position? Well, grade grade four, wing attack. Yes, yes, I was kind of last picked. Grade five, centre, and grade six, centre. So three times, three time netball. Oh, we we really <laughs> yeah, love that. We actually yeah. love that. You want to tell three me about yours, Glen Enning? Three-time netball. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell um, them about yours? Well, you don't have to. No, it's, 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 look, there's just a, a cricket ball there. That was a game that I had some incredible bowling figures. Under 12s, Chewett Hill Cricket Club, grand final. What were the figures? Five for 16. Leaked a few runs. <laughs> yeah. man, man of the match performance in a losing grand yeah, final. Grand yeah. final. Yeah. Lost. Would lost you it. give it all back for the, for the premiership? No, this trophy has taken me places. <laughs> you give it all back. It's made it to Melbourne here at Backchat. Yeah, somehow. Now let's get into Michael Barlow. Now, we do want to talk footy with you, mate. So you grew up in Shep, and as you've just, as you've just said, uh, you win a, a Best and Fairest in 2007 with Shep. Shep so, United. Yes, Shep, Shep United. Shepparton is the Crosstown rivals. My apologies. Shep United. What, what, what kit do the Shep United boys wear? Demons. And girls now, probably. Yeah. Demons. Demons. The Demons song, too. 
Correct. Very good. Okay, so you do that. You don't go through the tack cup like every mm. other kid seems to do here, and mm. uh, and you move to the, to Werribee, um, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, best and fairest in two thousand nine, mm. second in the list and medal in two thousand nine. Who beat Miles Sewell? Sully. Mm. Yeah, Miles. Sewell. Yeah, I played against him. I think North Ballarat. I shouldn't do that face. I, I'm, I'm doing that face as if. Oh, we hate Miles Sewell because he's actually a really good fellow. <laughs> yes. I haven't seen him for 15 or well, however long it was since I became runners up to him. But um, obviously, Brad Sewell's brother, very good person and very good player that never got an opportunity at the top, Miles Sewell. So, about opportunity, right? So, over that period of time, you're playing good footy in the VFL mm. um, with one of my good mates, Michael Rockefeller, mm. uh, setting the world alight down there at Werribee. Uh, do you get a look in or chats with AFL clubs over that period before you're yeah. on the list? Yeah, when I, I did two years at Shep United. Uh, GV and got invited to train with St Kilda for six weeks heading into their rookie draft period. That would have been going into no that is that Wikipedia no well whatever it is it was wrong so I looked it up kind of (laughs) bi-weekly we'll look it up (laughs) (laughs) to see what's happening Um, I think uh, 2007 trained at St Kilda so at the end of that season trained with St Kilda Um, went down and. Genuinely, and I say this very sincerely, I went down there not to embarrass myself. Like a kid out of the country, footy leagues. I was at uni. You mentioned your mate, Michael Rockefeller. Yeah. He lived a uni lifestyle of which you do partake in, in the social side of things more so than the educational aspects. <laughs> yes. So I went to St Kilda as a uni student pretty much that played country footy. And I was like, I wouldn't have known my left from my right um, in terms of professionalism or what was really required. I was relatively fit and kind of enjoyed training and... Whatnot, but I got there and um, it was a run around the tan day one. Wow. A run around the tan and uh, John Peake, who was the recruiting guy, said, all right, here's your sheet. Here's the arrival times for each day. So, yeah, the, the old days, old days, but just give you a sheet. That's your information. It says 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. No worries. I'll be there at 8. Got there. I was a little bit late, like Melbourne traffic. <laughs> Trying to find a park. <laughs> 8 o'clock ticks by. Well, that's all right. They'll probably do a warm-up. Eight o'clock was the time the time trial started. Oh, no. So I'm trying oh, no. to park the car. Oh. And I'm seeing St Kilda players in their kit running a, a oh. time trial. And yeah. I jog over to this group of coaches who I've never met before in my Shep United singlet and a <laughs> pair of white footy shorts. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm Michael Barlow and, um, you know, you're not meant to mean anything. <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, just, the fitness guy goes, oh, Dave Misson, just, just, just run, just kind of go. So I ran, and on the way around, like in my head, I'm like, "What have I done?" I've like embarrassed myself already, like running around. So I didn't get an official time, but I ran the tan, and I literally finished. And all the St Kilda boys are kind of slapping up, and and I'm kind of filtering in. And then I remember, as uh, someone introduced me to Ross Lyon, who was the coach, pretty quickly, um, I came to the realization Ross Lyon didn't like um, tardiness in t- terms of time, so he didn't even really. Say hello. He was like, <laughs> maybe check your time or check check your watch next time. So I go over and do a session with them, and well, it was the most embarrassing day of my life. Nearly, yeah. I um, feel so awkward listening to yeah. this. Makes me uncomfortable. It was, and then the next day, it was. I think it was eight o'clock start. I was there about five thirty. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, long story short, I do six 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 or eight weeks there, leading to that rookie draft, and um, quickly figured out I was actually. You know, okay, and, and probably had more capacity than I thought. And I uh, didn't get drafted on that occasion, but then went to Werribee and 
um, plugged away for a couple of years and got an opportunity. So did you ever speak to Ross about that? Ah, uh, 100%. When he first rocked up at Freo... Because Mark this? Harvey was your coach when you Mark first... Harvey, day one, Freo. By round four, we're playing St Kilda. Yeah. And I don't like to toot my own horn, but round four, St Kilda, coached by Ross Lyon, he has the nerve to tag me with Clint Jones. <laughs> after. <laughs> <laughs> so 2012, Ross rocks up. First time I'd officially... Well, I'd, I'd have met him across that six-day period. But he, go, he walks up and he goes, oh, goes, yeah, mate. We drafted this bloke. He goes, you, you were stiff, mate. You put yourself out there and we were probably just thinking, you know, country footy and there's this kid from the Sandy Dragons who's, you know, leafy suburbs. But, yeah, we delisted him halfway through the year, so you were probably a bit stiff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I didn't realise it started with Ross, the journey, the <laughs> AFL journey. That's unreal. So... Um, you do start at Frio. Mark Harvey is your coach um, in your first season there. First game. Charlie Fremantle supporter over here was just watching some of your highlights, listening to Brian Taylor bang on about uh, 17 touches with seven minutes to go and a goal in your first game. Did you? Did I've you, watched that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> do you? Yeah, just with the Wikipedia on one. And then, yeah. do, do you? Do, do, at the time, are you thinking this is not not too hard? What, what are these? Yeah. I don't know how, how, you, how old are you at this. I don't stage? know how you felt. You you were a bit. You were a defender. Absolutely. Um, so life's a bit tougher as a defender, all right, coming through, like growing up. And you would have played your first game when you were 18 or something. Yep. Yeah. I was 21, um, played a couple of years for AFL. I'm adamant it was the easiest game of footy I've played, that first game. Just off the back of physically I'd had a pre-season and, you know, uh, the uh, – the, uh, what's the word? Attitude? The – Capacity of those around you is far better than what I've been used to at country footy and then VFL. So but you're playing with better players. You're physically fitter. There's no burden of expectation on you. Mm-hmm. So I just went out and kind of just – I was expecting maybe one or two touches and then you get your one or two and you're like, well, maybe three or four and then yeah. kind of snowballed. And there was a bit of a perfect storm, but it was um, – yeah, it was a nice day. Ross Glendening, Ross Glendening in your first derby like five weeks later. Like you, you genuinely must have been just – Thinking, what, what, what is this? Went to Clubber later that night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> you did. Thought you might have a little Vi hippie club maybe? Uh, oh, it was, it Sunday, was a night. Sunday It was Sunday. Did you go to Clubber after we yeah, the Roscoe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have the Roscoe on no, you? No, no, no. <laughs> yes, you did. No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I, I, yeah, went there. Fair way from a boy, boy from Chet. That is, yeah. But it was I, – I, I maintain I was very lucky to win any Ross Glendening medals. The games I played when I won them, I remember Chris Main, who probably wasn't best on ground many, many times, but one game against, he was unbelievable. And they gave it to me, which I didn't mind. <laughs> but, and then there was a day, Dave Mundy was far better than me, and I think we, had to, we shared it. And even that first, first derby, I don't think I was super, like I wasn't, I was okay, but um, I think I got lucky um, a fair bit with Ross Glendennings. Yeah, well, you're three of them, so you got a fair bit of luck. <laughs> uh, it's Charlie, is this correct? Second most total... Second most total disposals after five games of all time. That's correct. Who was on top? Uh, oh, I'll check for you. Okay, I Charlie. think it was Matty Rowell. Mick, Mick will know. He'd been checking on Wikipedia. Oh, well, as you would have heard earlier in the um, do you know who's, episode. Do you know this stuff? Game three, I'm getting tagged <laughs> by Cameron Ling. And then game four is Clint Jones. So, yeah, it was a bit stiff there, that little chunk. Um, what was the transition like from, from Mark Harvey to Ross Lyon? Like, did you get enough of Mark Harvey to understand him as a coach? And then... Yeah, 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 definitely. He, um, I loved halves. I, I'm, 
yeah, very, still very connected to Harbs. Like he's just a good human, and he's just a real human. Um, I was doing a well, I coach Werribee Footy Club nowadays, and I was walking up the stairs the other other week to work, and I heard this voice coming out of the fu- fu- function room on a Friday arvo, Friday luncheon for one of the local footy clubs. I'm like, I know that voice. And I walk in, it's Mark Harvey, just talking absolute trash. But he he he's a tremendous um, talker and storyteller. But he he was great. He just invested in his. He was probably a bit raw in how he did it, and like he's he was an AFL coach. But just that was kind of rough around the edges and just, um, yeah, a, a really pure human being um, with great footy knowledge and acumen. But, um, yeah, when Ross kind of became available, you know, the rest was history for him. Like being, you know, the, you know not a poster boy, but you're, you know, you're a mature age draft pick and um, you come to the club as a, an adult rather than a kid. Like, do you look at the stuff happening now or did you see stuff over your time in your career of guys coming into the club where you think maybe – players getting drafted too young or not good enough or there was there definitely was I think that the draft can be so hit and miss can't it in terms of we, we see players that aren't in the AFL like Nick Martin comes in this year and everyone's like why hasn't he been playing um, instead of him but yeah it's it's like anything it's like stock market if everyone knew what what was what you'd just go yeah. go with that um, but there was some there were some great stories I think you'd You'd uh, share this sentiment that some players come in and you're like, well, I got one wrong. I thought Nat Fife when he first started, which was my year. I didn't think he was up to it. <laughs> <laughs> which might have, might have fallen just short of the mark. <laughs> he was a, still is a pretty handy player. Uh, That's but, good. But he, yeah, he was, he was kind of a skinny kid, skinny forward, big ears, big hands um, that – I'm not, I don't think I'm speaking out of school in terms of um, Nat's attitude pretty early was kind of pretty lazy and didn't love the ice bars, all that. And he, now he's become you know, absolute cream of the crop with that stuff. But I got that one wrong. But there were, were some others where you three or four weeks passes and you're like, well, I think they might have mucked this one up. There were some kids come in and, you, you, yeah, you, you make your mind up pretty quickly as a player, mm. especially as you get a little bit older. Oh, I did anyway. Yeah. Um, did you have the opposite as well? Do you have guys in there that are like, man, this guy is just training the house down. He's mm. going to be good and then you don't see much of him. Um, who have we got there? Yeah. I think there's there's a couple of stories along the way. And, again, you, we clubs get them wrong as well. I remember Sam Menegola was like, this guy is an unbelievable trainer. And the way, you know, time trials and physique and um, you know, the, the open field drills and training and then never got an opportunity at Hawthorne or Freo and then goes and finds a niche. So I think it's a lot of it's about opportunity, isn't it? Once you get your right opportunity, you can you maximise. But there, there is a portion of players that just just don't have that capacity. Um who who didn't? Is there any specific examples? I think, I think you got one for Well, me. I'm a two-time delisted player, so eventually <laughs> it, it catches up with everyone. Yeah. Um, there was – there was. I remember – and I won't use names. Yeah, it's – but Player X. Yes. So Player X was on the list and my understanding is – and this may be a correct story, it might be a myth. I heard this kind of secondhand from a reliable source within the club that – Remember Frio played kind of a couple of round 23 games and they pushed out a team that couldn't win yeah. pretty much, of one of which I captained, which was an exciting day. <laughs> hey, that's um, good. Yeah. Beating Port Adelaide at quarter time, then it fell apart. Um, but anyway, the 
it was a it was an away game to Port Adelaide. Or both games. One was at um, Marvel against St Kilda, and one was at I can't remember which one. But leading into the game, there was a player on the list, and so anyone who was available or not going to play that final the next week, they were pretty much playing, apart from a handful that were expendable, like myself. So there was, you know, the the Dockers that couldn't win jumping on the plane. And match committee apparently sat and there was this last player that was a rookie-listed player. I'm, I'm hearing from a reliable source that Ross said, we can't play him. Like, it's OH&S. Like, we can't. <laughs> Was we that can't, bad? We can't put him out there because he'll, he'll either break in half or he'll, <laughs> he'll hurt himself, like, doing his shoelace up. Um, <laughs> such, was, such was, I think, the, the lack of confidence in a certain player that didn't, didn't go, go ahead and play any AFL footy, but... Um, yeah, it was that was the the story filtering around the club that um, the player was going to be an OH and S. We would rather play with twenty one. So uh, in that first year, you're flying, uh, getting Brownlow votes when Ross, Ross goes, and then you break your leg round fourteen. Mm. Um, what uh, what does that feel like to break your leg? Well, like that, you didn't feel it. No, and then I was quickly on the green whistle, so I definitely didn't feel it. Yes. A couple of weeks later, oh, not a couple of weeks, like a couple of days when you have the surgery and whatnot, starts to sink in. From my point of view, I was always glass half full because I'd, I'd taken that journey to get into the AFL like a, a little bit more of a unique pathway. When I got there and that happened, I had to take the optimistic approach. If this had happened 12 months ago, I wouldn't kind of be full-time employed, wouldn't have access to full-time physio. I wouldn't... Um, yeah, have, have a have a career in the AFL beyond this injury. So it's going to dust your market. Yeah, I was more optimistic um, than than pessimistic when that happened. Um, and so the actual incident—it's just a footy incident, right? Mm. You, don't look you, back you tried to like stand on it straight away, and mm. we did it not feel that bad as soon as it happened. I think I was a bit oblivious to what had happened. Um, I'd like to say I was you know, pretty tough and got up and thought walking around on a broken leg type of thing, but there was there Snapped was your leg there up. was a bit of that, but there was also a bit of when it happened, my mindset like no, it can't be, can't be, I can't, it can't have happened. Like, I remember it was a big impact, and can't recall hearing anything or, but I knew that my leg was in the wrong the wrong position, mm. and as I stood up, it went the wrong way. So, what was the what was the conversation like with um, with Reese Palmer after it? I, he was genuinely devastated, um, of which, yeah, well, I think even back then there was probably some vitriol towards him around, you know, what are you doing and you know, that, like, that, that elements of, of hate externally. Like from, our, from my point of view, it, it is what it is. It's, yeah, it's the game. Um, I do remember as so, – so Reese, like it's, it's, it's water off a duck's back for me down, down the road and I know he was – yeah, devastated himself going to the back end of that year as well um, and potentially beyond. But I do remember, footy catches up with you pretty quick. I remember thinking, because Dylan Robertson got the ball in the middle of the ground and I was running down on the wing, the, the Chris Main wearing wing, old Subiaco. Yes. And I was like, how good's this? Like, we're winning and footy's, I'm going right. And my family was in town that weekend. I was like, we'll go out for dinner tonight, have a few beers. So the first time I'd ever kind of had taken a moment of liberty on the field, the ball got wobbled in and I went back and, and I was thinking that at the time. I was like, this is great. This is so good. And then bang, 
Well, it quickly catches up with you, doesn't wow. it? Wow. So, yeah, you're actually remember thinking that. Mm. <laughs> I had a few moments like that. Like, you do remember those, eh? Because usually you, you switched on, you think about the ball, you think yeah. about contests, whatever it is. Sometimes you just, you know, some people think, ask, like, what are you thinking about there? Usually it's footy. But every now and then... It's you probably footy of the coin job, to be honest. Well, there's, there's, yeah. there's sometimes where you're like... I remember, I'm sorry to jump in, but no. I, was, I, I played a game... I reckon it was 2012. It was Ross's first game coaching. We played Geelong and I was the sub. And it was pretty much my – I'd come back the year before from the broken leg, but it was not, no good. And I still was probably no good early in 2012. Came on as a sub and the ball got handballed to me. It was a tight match. And as it got handballed to me, and I kicked the goal. And Bella's like later that night or the next – he goes, what were you thinking about there? Because you kind of just rolled on the ground. And I said, I literally got the ball. And I'd noticed that they had a new sponsor. I was like, oh, new sponsor. <laughs> players are snapping a goal. <laughs> <laughs> no way. So you pulled out, you pulled out the idea. Yeah, yeah, it was rock tape. I'll never forget it. I go, oh, rock, oh, rock tape are on board. That was, the, that, that was the coloured tape, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. The pink so. and the blue. And the, yeah, yeah. So rock tape was on board. Mm. I think um, was, uh, Fletcher said that uh, Jody used to be like thinking about the stock market or something. He'd go out there and – He'd just because he was that good, he used to zone off and just he'd just be trading stocks in his head. And so. Sounds about right. Yeah. 2012, 20 to, to 2012 to twenty fifteen, you play pretty much every game like through that period. You missed a couple here and mm. there, maybe some subs. Um, and during that period, it's the 2013 um, grand final. Um, what do you remember about that sort of period at, at the Dockers? Because mm. you know, strong strong body of work for you. Yeah, it was a special period. It was, it was pretty much four years, wasn't it? 12 to 15. And when you put it like that, it, it feels like not a, not a significant period at all. But um, yeah, Ross's impact on the group and, and the club was significant. And, and also the pl- playing leaders like Pav and Sanderlands and McFarlane and, and Mundy, who's still going. Yes. Which is kind of... You're, you and I are sitting here, right? Nice. And I'm like, I could not go out there. Like, briefly... For the year after you retire, well, not retire, get delisted for the second time, you think, I could still do that. But now I'm like, no way. And you watch Monday and he's still going. But that period was, yeah, that there was a cultural shift. Kind of we, we started to stand for you know, a significant trademark and um, the players bought into it and, and kind of Ross held us accountable to it. And um, it, Yeah, it wasn't all um, you know, rainbows and lollipops. It was, I think, 2012 we... We're kind of only just going halfway through the year, and I remember there was a significant game at Richmond or at, in Melbourne against Richmond. Wet, cold, you know, the old Dockers would have just fallen over, and you know, Sandilands goes down, and I don't think Pav played. Maybe um, it's like, oh well, too hard. Um, but we we kind of galvanised and won that game, and from there it, would, it became like that anywhere, anytime mantra for us. And it's easy to say, but it's bloody hard to do. And the, from there it was like when we wore the white shorts and put the white jumper on it was kind of like 22 versus the rest so that, that was I remember my most significant feeling around that period was we felt like we could win anywhere at any time um, Was it 2013 you beat Geelong in Geelong in the finals was that 2013 I'm glad you brought that one up yes because um, obviously you just had a baby the other, other day congratulations Friday well done and Riley she, she had to stay in hospital with Lonnie for a couple of nights and um, so I'd go in for the day and then I'd go home and um I love my fiance and I love my new baby, but I also loved that last night of kind of being home alone. <laughs> yes. And I was, 
Where's your mind going, Dan? Just keep your head up here. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually no, keep going. I was thinking about the, that similar thing happening when my yeah. wife had a baby going home by yourself. Yeah, you go home by yourself, and Riley looks after me more than anyone. I was like, kind of didn't know what to do. I was like, so I had a couple of beers, and I was like sitting there, I was like, oh, make the most of this. YouTube, twenty thirteen qualifying final, <laughs> <laughs> the whole game. Go to woe. Not even, not your, even, not even siren to siren. That's your happy place. It was YouTube. And it was like the Channel 7 like the 10 minutes leading in. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and was it worth it? Oh, yeah. First quarter was a bit grim. <clears throat> I, speaking about thinking about things when you're on the field. I'll never so forget good. that game. Quarter time, we were down and kind of – I was uh, couldn't get near it. And I vividly thought, well, I'm going to get subbed out here. I'll get, I was like, this, I'm going to get subbed out. We're going to lose. Probably get dropped next week. Um, as you say, I didn't miss many games. I was always picked in that period, but you, 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 I think the, the strength of that that time and Ross, um, you always felt on edge, even to the point in that game I felt on edge. And really, I remember I yeah, personally kicked a goal early in the second, and I was like, well, it's going to be hard to sub me now. <laughs> Can't I, kicked, sub there. I kicked another one ten minutes later. I was like, yeah, now I'm. Yeah, now you're not taking me off, eh? <laughs> so did it turn into one of your better games? So it, two, two goals in a final. It did, yeah. Possibly. Well, I kicked another one after that as well. So. No worries. Um, Charlie had done that. What yeah, about Charlie? Charlie? Yeah. Charlie, come on, get the numbers out. Yeah, it's three goals, yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks for <laughs> <the> confirmation, Charlie. <laughs> Mick's just told us that. Yeah. But it was, uh, 32 touches. 32 touches, yeah. there we go. That was an amazing day, like the anywhere, anytime thing. Leading yes. into that week, it was... Um, you know, made a fair strong, a fairly strong point of Geelong playing a final. You know, if they were playing Collingwood, they're not going to play it in Geelong. And we kind of we we harness that. We're like, you know, they're they're treating us like garbage. They're putting us here. So you you go out and show them. You know, Eddie Maguire's already talking about um, playing playing Geelong in a prelim and all that. So because if they go through, you know, Geelong will win this, obviously. Yes. So we were um, breathing some fire and brimstone, and um, yeah, it was a it was as good a day, well, probably the best day I've felt experienced on, in terms of um, on, on an AFL field. So who do you play in the prelim then? Back Sydney. At home. Yeah, Sydney. Yeah. We kind, of, we kind of came out in that one and just punched them to the throat a bit. Like first quarter, it, um, unlike Geelong at, at qualifying final, first quarter we just went bang. And I felt like we nearly should have won it by quarter time. I think we kicked inaccurately. Um, so that was a pretty comfortable game. So we had the lead and we Sydney came at a, a patch during the kind of third quarter. But we repelled and I remember the, the chant went up halfway through the last and again, you have moments where you're thinking about stuff. You're like, yeah, I'm going to play in the grand final. And really late in the game, I got a corky in the knee like, or, like, or someone came and hit my knee and straight away, like, you dramatise things, don't you? Like, yes. oh, I'm not going to play next week. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm injured. Um, but I want, like any other game, you just be like, Probably be at yep. the Lama, Lama Bar. Getting mouse drink cards. <laughs> it's mouse sponsoring. Good, oh, ma- good man, on. mouse. No, he bought us <laughs> Anthony Kudafidis. Bought you by mouse. Good. Uh, mouse has looked after us. Okay, so with, um, sorry. Yeah, with, yeah. I'm just thinking about Sydney in 2013. You you drew with them as well. Um, that uh, year. That, that year. Do you remember much of that? Because it was a you you would. I think it was um pretty big deficit. This is why I'm a coach, Dan. I remember this because. Ross, win, lose, or draw, yeah, you come in and you'd be like, could have the best win ever. And he'd be like, you know what? I can t- tell you a personal story about thinking I went all right and Ross told me pretty quickly I didn't. But um, I remember that game because we'd, 
we drew and Jack Hannath as the Ruckman. You know, what are Ruckman meant to do from long shots at goal? Well, they're meant to – or key defenders. What are they meant to do? Like Tabula line, defending. Yeah, yeah come get, get clear it. And which way? Like come with the ball and whack it in. Yeah, sure. Yes. Jack – I don't know where Jack was standing. I think he was lost. <laughs> I think he was up the top of the, top of the, top of the arc. Not to pin the draw – or the loss of two points on Jack. Ross did. <laughs> Ross did. Um, I remember that one, yeah, because yeah, Sid- playing Sydney and Sydney, I-, I don't reckon I played them there much, but it's an unbelievable atmosphere to play Sydney. They get, they get right behind it. and Yeah, late in the game, it was all tied up, and um, yeah, we, uh, we ended up drawing, of which yeah, you're looking for little minute moments to, to have won, and, and there were a couple... So you watched the uh, qualifying final back. Mm. You didn't. You didn't put the grand final on uh, in your last. I watched it in lockdown, early days lockdown. First, oh, I never, never rewatched time. it. Yeah, never rewatched it. How was it? Um, oh, like riding a roller coaster because we we end up coming back in the game. Yeah, the day is a bit of a blur to me, and you've played in winning and losing. Yep. Um, the loo. It never really felt like we were in that game. From the, like, we felt like we clawed back, and Chris Main kicks a goal to go within three points. And there was that was there was a feeling of a bit of safety. We we're like, oh, well, I feel like we're this is we're back to normal. Um, but yeah, my my feelings and recollection of the day was that Hawthorne played it really well. They kept the ball off us for fifteen minutes, pretty much. Whereas the week before, Sydney just put it in a scrap, and we we loved it. Um, so we're just coming from a fair way back, and watching watching it back, it just yeah validated. Kind of all the key moments when you watch the the Isaac Smith goal from what felt like about eighty meters out on the day, <laughs> and the um, the Luke Bruce kind of goal through a stoppage. There's key moments. Jack Gunston gets one on the boundary line and kind of just zigzags and kicks inside fifty. Um, there were some moments there where you rewatch and you're like, "Well, oh, I know well, I haven't watched this for a while." Yeah, <laughs> and I was um, I was mediocre at best on the day, so I didn't <laughs> like to like to relive it. Do, do you reckon? Do you reckon there's scars there, or was, or the club players, like yeah, immediately proceeding? Not, not really. Again, Ross is like I think this is what Ross did. Oh, not don't think I know Ross did this really well. Like it's you come in and he 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 rips the emotion out of it pretty quickly. Like he referred to grand finals as round twenty six during um, during the week. Yeah, so it. it's round twenty six. Here's your template. This is what they do well. Um, you know, we keep to the same routine. There's going to be a few more people at the airport. You're going to have to do this parade thing. All that. There's a few different elements of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember after the game, he was very much like strategic, tactical. It was like, oh, you know, if we do this better, and and for, I remember for, as a player, you're a bit raw because you're like, oh, well, if you say this to us in round 13, beautiful. We got round 14, but that that was what I think I, I was not scarred, but I was a bit raw from that. That. Um, yeah, when you miss that opportunity, there's no. You just you, all you want to do is go back, put yourself in the moment, and correct it. Yeah, and you just can't because there's goals missed, right? Like I mean, opportunities missed. Yeah, it just makes a, it hard. It's it, a windy it was, day, and you weren't outplayed. You were out. You're outplayed that you lost, mm. but mm. you weren't. Um, I mean, we were out. We were outplayed in, mm. in 2015. We just weren't in the game. But you're in the game. We we're in the game, but like I said, it's it was like a game of um, yeah, like yeah. Uh, the stall gift where you give someone, you know, 15 minutes head start. We just felt like, even though it wasn't drastic on the scoreboard, we'd 
just couldn't get our game going for long enough chunks. We, I think we were definitely a side that needed kind of large chunks of quarters to be like, yeah, we're, we're kind of battering them to death. Mm. Um, and the first quarter we kind of hung in there and second quarter um, was, was fairly similar. I think the dominance was, was their way. And half-time, you know, Ross challenged the group because we, we didn't have like weight of numbers performance. He, there was probably six of us that were going okay. Um, and then I remember, yeah, straight after three-quarter time, it was like, that's what we needed. We, we bounced for, for 10, 15 minutes and then, again, gave them a bit of a, a, bit of a slip, which, which cost us. 2015 should have been a derby grand final. Yes. You blokes cooked it. Mm, we you, were, you did. Prelim, we were, I think we kicked the Min- first two. Minor premiers. Yeah, right. minor premiers. Lost to – no, sorry, beat Sydney. Yeah, home, and then home prelim. Home prelim, home, home – Home qualifying. Home qualifying. Home prelim. Home prelim. Gee whiz, that's harsh. hard hitting from you, isn't it? Well, <laughs> we did the same. And I, well, because, you know, not, not saying we would have, but like we would have liked to have played Fremantle. Yeah. I mean, it's an away team at the MCG. That, like, that, what, what, you don't want to play Hawthorne going for three in a row at the MCG. 2015, yeah. the derbies that year was first one we smacked you. Yeah. By like 60. And then yep, early. Yeah. Second one, you guys yeah. smacked us like big time. Yeah. Um, so I think we would have had a similar feeling playing you guys the next week. Uh, of yeah, of some confidence to get that done. Hawthorne was always a side. I, I think it's quite obvious for that period for us. Hawthorne was a side that we just couldn't we couldn't catch. Yeah, um, we used to play them in Launceston, which kind of defied the anywhere anytime mantra. Every time we every time we kind of went across the Apple Isle, it just just didn't, did, just didn't translate. <laughs> so twenty fifteen, well twenty fifteen, right? So that that doesn't mm. happen. Um, disappointing. You go to the Brownlow that year, though, don't I you? I do, do, yeah. Well, that was the day after we'd lost to Hawthorne. Friday night footy, prelim. Yeah. Like I said, we, we bounced out. John Griffin kicks a goal in the first five minutes to put us like three goals to zip up. And Hawthorne just kind of clawed back, clawed back. So Friday night, as you know, if you, if you bow out in a season, you've got a big few days. So finish Friday. And Friday finish means you've got so a big So Friday, you have to butter up and can nearly, I can nearly give you the – Blow by blow um, from Friday night to the Monday of what we did. Like it was like Friday night out and the strip in Freo and wake up pretty dusty Saturday. We went to Fifey's house for like um, your Saturday session. Funny day. It's bloody funny. We used to do these sprints um, on Silly Saturday or Mad Monday, whatever you want to. We just find one. End of each season, the slowest player on the list would challenge who he thought was slower <laughs> to, <laughs> to a race. Good. And Fifey had a house, still does, in um, kind of uh, South Fremantle, North Coogee kind of area. Yeah. And it was just developing, just getting built. So he was one of the first houses up on the second floor and there was this nice kind of um, you know, court where we could race from the end of the court to the front of his house. <laughs> So Jack Hanneth, who I brought up before, he was the reigning loser. So he lost the year before, so he gets to challenge someone. <laughs> so he challenged me. So I'm thinking, right, just to preface this, I've played the night before, I've run 15Ks, probably a corky here or there, but anyway. Jack was fresh, didn't get a game. Right. So we start down the end of the court, and there's video footage of this. It's, it's so funny. It's probably not funny for many people to watch, apart from people that were there that get, get what's going on. All the players are like lined out along the court, spattered along. We're in our jocks for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> All of the players or just no, you just, two? No, just me and Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so like ready, set, 
yeah, the big drum down, walking, walking down. Jack used to do Drew, Drew Petrie, like, you know, yep. boom, boom, boom. Yes. The so Jack's ready to go. I'm ready to go. Ready, set, go, bang. And I just didn't get a – I got beaten. I won't even use the excuse <laughs> I was, book. I was wondering where this is going. I, didn't, I don't want to use the excuse book because I've since raced him again and I'm the reigning champ. We've raced in – I swear I've seen these races. I saw one at South Fremantle Oval Yeah, somewhere. I was against Subin. I took him down. <laughs> <laughs> you get challenged every – Yeah, everyone wants a piece. Jack, Jack and I are – Two and one. He's two on one, but I've won the last one. I'm the I'm the, I'm the champ. Um, he lives in Adelaide. It's hard to connect, but every time we do, it's like right up yeah, down to your jocks. <laughs> and then the way we go. But this day, it was like the sprint was on. He got me early. It was like he had me halfway down. I was done, so I didn't even finish the race. Really, I was like, and everyone was it was euphoria. Um, so I was in a dark place for the rest of the day. And Fifey actually said, "Oh, I've got to go to Melbourne. I'm probably going to win the brown low." I'm going, I'm like, who's, who's going with you? He goes, no, I'm going to go solo because Nat's quite unique. And he's, he goes, yeah, no, I don't care. Like, I'll just go. I said, oh, I'll go with you. And he, he goes, oh, maybe, maybe someone should come with me. Yeah, you'll come with me. And um, I really regretted it on Sunday morning when I woke up and had to get a nine o'clock flight. <laughs> nine o'clock flight to Melbourne. Yes. And I jump in. We get business class, which is great. So you I do sit, as well? How yeah, you? unbelievable. Fifey's date. Fifey, so I sat and I think it was 1A. And 1B was free. Fifey was behind me. North Melbourne were in the cattle class because yeah. you guys had beaten them. Ah. And I was like, oh, I, would have, I wouldn't have smelt very good after a couple of days on the drink. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, I hope no one sits there. Who walks in but the, the absolute messiah of broadcasting and sits next to me? Dennis. No, higher than Dennis. I don't know if there is. Kathy Freeman. Oh, oh Bruce. Right. No, no, Kathy Freeman, call. Oh, Bruce. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce McAvoy. Yeah. I, th- I thought Kathy Freeman sitting next to you. No, Bruce sits next to me. Wow. And Bruce's like, Michael, how are you? Yes, nice to see you. <laughs> goes, oh. And he looked over the back. By now, I'm a bit awkward because I'm like, oh, Bruce is going to – I'm melting down here, sweating. <laughs> Paws are open. <laughs> he goes, how about um, – you want to sit next to Nathan? And Nathan probably didn't want to sit next to me, but okay, yeah, that's probably a good idea, Bruce. So Nathan came and sat next to me, and Bruce went behind me. And I, I think Bruce just read the tea leaves that he didn't want to sit next to me. You were absolutely <laughs> cooked. <laughs> uh, so so uh, this is terrible, right? Did Fifey wins the Brownlow in 2015. He did. And you're there as his date. Yep. What was that like? <laughs> I was a Nike athlete at... Uh, leading into the Brownlow. Yes. And the day after I was an Adidas athlete because Fifey took us to the Adidas store. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we didn't have any clothes. So I was like, Adidas were like, oh, just take what you want. I'm like, oh, kind of. This is a bit awkward because I'm with Nike who, by the way, don't give me any clothes ever. <laughs> they go, well, they go, go in there, grab some stuff and you're on board. I said, beautiful. Unreal. So I was there for a few days. And Did you take the photo of him with no top on? No. I don't, he, I don't know who did because he was on the he was on the phone, shirtless on the Be- bed, beanie, me, beanie, yeah. phone. I thought Mick might have been in there, snapping, snapping pics. No, I'm, I'm nearly certain it was his manager. Very good. I just branding. Imagine him like a no, do another one, take a go. At what stage during the night is, is is on that he's won and you're sitting next to him? Yeah, I think it was the last last round, and there was vision of I got a vote in the last round in the infamous game where we rested everyone. and I was the captain. So Fifey didn't even play And you got a vote I got a vote <laughs> <laughs> And the cameras were on me And I was very excited Well I did Because I, I, he, he wore the walking stick 
He right. not bought it. He used it because he had a broken leg. Because he wouldn't have played the next week because of his broken leg. The carry on with the walking. So he stick. had the walking stick, which <laughs> I thought was a bit of carry on. But I grabbed his stick because we I got a vote, and I was like, yes, and it snapped. <laughs> his walking stick. Snapped. If you can get a vision of that, roll that. But um, we will. His stick broke above my head as I got a vote, and he was winning the brown line. <laughs> and so, what did he limp up up on stage without the walking stick? It's a good question, Dan. I'm not sure what he did. Uh, the the stick wasn't like fully broken. It was one of those ones that kind of. Disconnect and connect. Right, 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 right. That is unreal. Yeah. <laughs> that is unreal. Oh, I'll tell you what, that's very good. A um, little bit of research tells us that Kepler Bradley is the mad Monday king of Fremantle Dockers. Yeah, he's not bad. Uh, what can we tell you about Kepler? He was one of the great human beings to entertain in a footy environment. Yeah, footy environments, they can become quite yeah, – it can become monotonous and a grind being an AFL player. Some people would – you know, question that from the outside looking in, but he sat next to me in meetings. Funniest bloke to sit next to. Yeah. For one, because he was kind of in the side one week, out the side, and the side just used to go up on the board in the meeting yeah. and kept sitting next to you. And he's either really angry or really happy. But what was even funnier, he couldn't read the side ever because he had like short-sightedness or something. <laughs> so, I to, so I always had to, we had this, we had this, um, uh, we had this situation where we'd, We'd, I'd either grab him hard on the, I'd grab him hard on the leg if he was out, and I'd just tap him softly if he was in. Yeah. On reflection, I should have just given him a thumbs up or thumbs down yeah, because good. he would misinterpret so often <laughs> whether he was in or out. So he'd either sit there for a whole meeting, like angry as that he thought he was out but he was in, or he thought he was in that he was out. <laughs> uh, but he was great. Him and him and Aaron Sandilands, like the best of mates. And Aaron, as you can imagine, um, could take on a fair bit of bit of grog before he kind of felt the side effects. Yes, Kepler was fairly similar. Yes, and no one really jumped in a shout with Aaron apart from Kepler. Um, yeah, and they they went pretty well together. Those two, they were phenomenal. You're in um, Fremantle's 25 since 95 team, so greatest ever 25 players mm. to play for Fremantle. You get delisted. Yeah, how's that sit with you? Um, I was de- pretty devastated. Because by then it was – I remember my exit meeting, which was a, a very robust discussion was it? between Ross, myself and Chris Bond. But no, a very like, res, uh, respectful kind of robust discussion. Like challenge like, – because I love, I love the Fremantle Footy Club and I love my time there. And when you – and you were at West Coast for far longer than I was at Frio. Seven years I was Frio. And when I walked out, it was you – know, you do – for all the kind of ups and downs you have, you – you have so much nostalgia and love for the place and the people that it's never going to be the same. Um, so I remember going to 16 that I was out of contract and I can't recall if I'd been offered a contract, but I was pretty confident to have a good year. I was like, I'm going to have a good year and kind of extend and we're going to go pretty well. And it was always that glass half full approach. And when we were zipping 10, it was looking pretty bleak. So I knew pretty much from that point um, that oh, I was going to have to go play somewhere else mm. or or potentially. Like I got delisted in the end, so whether I was even going to get a crack anywhere else. So it can can turn around pretty quickly from being a, a player that hadn't missed a game, I don't reckon, for the, the club for probably 40-plus games in a row or, or never really been – never been dropped to halfway through that year dropped, um, clearly prioritising like younger players, uh, 
clearly going to be a, a, a reshuffle of 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 the side. Ross had just signed five years, so he was you know invested in in a rebuild, and I was um, yeah going to be on the back burner and. Uh, career mortality was sneaking up. You hold the record for the most combined disposals in your first and final game. So, first game for the Freo Dockers combined with your last. Um, so, do you leave <clears throat> that discussion? Is it mm. is it around you saying I want to keep playing, and them saying we don't want you to? Yeah. Is that what it is? Because um, you know, I was pretty open. Because you, oh, sorry, yeah. I'm just because you, you, yeah. you put a screen a uh, screen cap up of uh, like a note that you wrote and yeah. it said something like you knew 30 minutes after round yeah. 17 or whatever it was. So mm. was that like a meeting that happened straight no, after a game? Or? I um I did my shoulder really badly. So I think it was, yeah, round 17. AC joint. AC joint, like nerve damage. It was pretty grim. So from that period, it was actually, I didn't know if I'd play again after that injury because my arm was essentially dead and just waiting for the nerves to regenerate and, do what they do. So I remember when I did that injury, yeah, I was certain I wasn't going to get back for the year. And I'd actually just come back in and become a tagger and was doing pretty well at it and like enjoying it because I, I was always the one that got shuffled out of the midfield with good reason for Fife and Neil and Mundy and um, Subin I probably thought I had covered. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, always got shuffled out of the midfield and played that high half forward role with, a bit, with bits and pieces in the midfield. So I'd finally kind of been given – Right, you're gonna you're gonna tag. You're gonna go play on him, him, and him, and you're always in there. It's a tough role, but you're gonna do it. And I'd, I'd when when if, when Ross first said it to me back end of 2016, when I got back in the side, I was like, well, this guy's a prick. <laughs> he's he's fully giving me my rope just to noose myself, and yes. my career's done. He's yes. gonna make me tag. No one's gonna want to go near me when they figure out I can't tag. <laughs> but I did it pretty well, and then I. It'd be interesting if I got through that year without an injury as to what may have happened. I'm nearly certain that I was finished regardless. It would have been – I would have been more confident maybe to get a trade or something instead of getting delisted because of the injury at that point was you know, subject to medicals and all of that, whether I'd join your good mate on the, on the, rock, on the Gold Coast, Ryan Davis. So Yeah, I was, I was very aware it was done at Frio for a long parts of that year. Um, which is fun, not funny, but it was interesting because that was that was like a year where I was as happy as I'd been like personally. I reckon I'd kind of established myself in WA, and I'd finally come to the realization: gee whiz, it's it's a good good existence, and it's a great place to live. And um, yeah, I probably had a bit of a, a few insecurities or, or anxieties about actually moving away from WA and moving away from Frio. So you do. Let's talk about your time at Gold Coast. So you finish up at Fremantle, you move to the Gold Coast as a delisted free agent. Play a couple of years there mm. um, under Rocket, under Rocket Aid, and the boys there. Ryan Davis, friend of the family here. Yeah. I think like we've, I've heard some, I've heard different stories around Rocket Aid. I wouldn't mind sharing a couple of those. And <clears throat> Ryan Davis, do you go? Do you guys go there? Is he there before you get there? Ryan's there before me, right? So do you? Do hadn't paid his phone bill for twelve months <laughs> when I get there, <laughs> and he kept getting these. Sorry to jump in on the question. No. He kept getting these. Um, it's like cease like, and desist. No. Yeah, like from Telstra. So and he put it on the fridge. He owes like eighteen hundred bucks. I'm like, what? Just pay it. He's like, yeah, <laughs> eighteen hundred bucks. He was rolling that in Perth as well when he was living with me. So you live with him. Do you know? Do you know? So he told the story here on the podcast about riding his bicycle. It's the best story of all time. Do you know that as a player? Like when you're in 2017. 
Are you aware of that's how we got on the list by riding a bike around a, a park? I think I it. think it was too commonly known around the club for Rocket not to know, and <laughs> we, which speaks to somewhat because he went over there and and played well. Yeah. Like he went to the Gold Coast and didn't miss a game in his first year. Um, second year again, it's one of those ones you go to a club and the first year is a bit kind of like you're the new toy or whatever. You're, you're and then you kind of filter out, which. Unfortunately, it happened to him, but yeah, I don't, I don't love the fact he had to run a seven-minuter, 2K, to get it on the list because he showed he could do it. Correct. Um, but yeah, that, that story is, is a great one because I was glad he got on, on it because now I'm a really good mate of his um, he's, somehow because he's, 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 he's just weird, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, kindly, he's kindly put his wedding on grand final day. Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> of which if Flagman will in. Yes. Is Flagman or real? Is Flagman or real? Uh, I, I'd say that there's probably too much, too many ups and downs at the moment. There's, there's little aspects of their game that's just getting found out for little chunks um, that I think will bring them undone in the finals. But, I, I, but they're, who, who could they're, know? They're building as well. Yeah, exactly. Like the, beyond this year, Fremantle is a side, if, you, if it was a stock market, you'd have significant stocks in beyond this year. Yeah, very good. Mm. Rocket Eight. What sort of stuff? Like we've all heard the sprays. He's talking to Will Minson in the box, <laughs> which he claims it wasn't real. That, that's real. There's no doubt. Leon Cameron's in there as his assistant coach. Rocket, Rocket. We can't. We we can't think. <laughs> that's literally my favourite clip on the internet. Will, Will, get him off. <laughs> so, so was that the sort of coach that he? He was. Was he a well, sprayer? Again, I've got a, I've got a huge admiration for Rocket because when I Rocket was the one that you know pinned pinned some hope on me when delisted yeah. shoulder couldn't lift. Um, yeah, the the suitors for me at the end of sixteen were limited to the point where I had two options, um, of which the Gold Coast was one, and Rocket kind of put the side up and said, "You're going to be this player for us." And who's, I was like, who's the other one? Uh, Adelaide. Huh. Mm. They played in the grand final that year. <laughs> But um, I wouldn't be good mates with Ryan Davis, of which maybe I should have gone to Adelaide. <laughs> um, Sorry, Rocket. But yeah, Rocket. So yeah, he put a side up. I remember meeting with him and I was like, yeah, I, I like this. Like he's put me in the team. And first time, I reckon, for ever in my career, you'd had some validation. Yeah. <laughs> and I love Ross and all that, but Ross was a bit – they were different coaches. Um, but anyway, so I decided to go to the Gold Coast – I didn't have a huge amount of rocket ammunition um, because he actually got got sacked halfway through the year. Right. Of which, again, a career mortality sneaks up. The coach has brought you over. And he he liked you and he's gone. Yeah, and he was playing me and I'd broken my leg at this point. So I was out for the rest of the year. Again, so career mortality, it snuck in and probably drawing a little bit closer. But Rocket used to walk around. He's he's, um, he's well known for just readjusting himself, just – just kind of has to, you know, male problems. But I remember, I think Dave Swallow, who is the nicest guy of all time, WA's own David Swallow. Yes. He's got it all, that man. He's like, great footy career, contract, um, lifestyle on the Gold Coast, great, terrific young family, healthy family. He's a handsome young man. He's a ripper, Rooster, Dave. Rooster. He lent, he lent me his, um, his bike for the Noosa Triathlon in 2019. Just, just far, uh, too, salt, far too small for me. Salt of the earth. But you know, he probably would have bought a new one and given it to you. He's that type of operator. Good bike. Dave was walking around with his food at like 
Gold Coast, you get fed at lunchtime. He's walking around with a plate of food, Dave. And Rocket kind of walking around doing what coaches do, awkward stuff like, oh, yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, you know, Dave, how are you, mate? He kind of just scratched himself and then goes, Pick something, off his, pick something off David's plate. <laughs> Chucks it in his mouth. <laughs> Everyone saw it, but Rocket was oblivious to the fact he'd scratched and adjusted. Did Dave say and it? Dave was like, <laughs> Dave can be lost for words at the best of times, but Dave yeah, didn't know what was, what was to be said. That's very good. All right, so play at Gold Coast, finishes up. AFL career done and dusted. Are you fulfilled? Are you, mm. Do you feel like you've got more in the tank? How did you... Finish when yeah. When uh, my, my own experience. I, like, I'm so happy with where my life is now, and things that you know things do happen for a reason. At the time, I was very um, yeah. When I finished at the Gold Coast, I wasn't wasn't stoked with kind of how my last year had gone and lack of opportunity. And um, yeah, I had, I had mum was really ill that year. Mum passed away that year, yeah. um, so there was a lot going on that year for for me that. Um, what you've known for so long, your footy career, was slipping away and then, you know, some stuff in terms of, you know, that's going to finish up, you'd think. Um, limited opportunity, you know, mum's illness, all of that. But, yeah, when I'd finished, the best thing for me, you know, on, on, on reflection was for my career to finish and just get on with life because, as you know, you have anxieties about who you are when you finish, um, you know, some more than others. I, I was very confident I had assets and skills to to succeed in, in life beyond football but um, when you do reflect and have the nostalgia of ho- high income you know, you're playing footy you're knocking around with great mates you, you're never going to replicate that in what, what you do beyond that so um, yeah for, for the first probably few months I was probably a bit lost and a bit bit um, uneasy about how it finished a, a bit naive to the fact that it had finished I was a bit like oh, maybe I'll get another opportunity somewhere um, or whatever it might be, but yeah, pretty quickly I moved beyond that and, and set up kind of what my life is now, which is um, like you say, are you ever going to be as fulfilled? I think yeah, right now I've just signed a two-year contract extension with Werribee Coaching in the VFL, which I love. I do you know a handful of media slots, which I love, and then now I've got a you know happy, healthy young family. So it's um, yeah, in terms of fulfilment, you know, that's yeah. Well and truly above being an AFL athlete. It's good. Love that answer. Very good. Um, what about okay? A couple more lighter side of things. Talking about coming out um, of the of the game. Um, <clears throat> just doing a bit of a dive around. Um, out of bounds with Michael Barlow. <laughs> do, you to, do you want me to read you? The, do you want me to read your little synopsis? Yeah, here? let's do it. The Out of Bounds podcast with Michael Barlow is the first ever. Podcast to be hosted by a current AFL player. Pioneer. <laughs> Sorry, that's a fucking. That's that's just lies. You I'm, 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 I was doing. A, I was doing a podcast with. I was doing my yeah, podcast in 2013. That was uh, Squawk Talk. Yeah, Squawk Talk, mate. Solidified by the club. Right. Oh, I went rogue. I was Individual. out. I was out of bounds. Joe Rogan. <laughs> out of I was out of bounds. <laughs> Uh, doing in, stuff invites not, in the, not in the West Coast polo not Behind the, polo. the curtain To discover what life is really like yeah. mm. In the AFL Was it good? It was good Pod, this, 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 like, We're doing this for, yeah. you know, full, Almost full time now it's, it's, it's good fun Yeah I missed opportunity Wasn't it Because Love doing and that, To be honest <laughs> So I did that first year at Frio um, Matt DeBoer Who's an absolute weapon In terms of off field Yeah And, and where he's going to go He came With this idea He knew I'd 
talked garbage and you know, liked, <laughs> liked, did a lot of media stuff over there. Where, well, the West, West Australia is great, isn't it? Like two clubs. Yeah. So how many players at West Coast? I'll come back to this answer. Yes. You're giving me shit about the podcast. But um, <laughs> how many players at West Coast and Frio get, get a car, a, a media slot, um, and like individual sponsors compared to players at Melbourne. I'd say, say too many. Yeah. Too <laughs> Lee Spurs still driving around in a car from he's, – he's a he's, – Mate, Spurry's 6PRs and going, mate, guy, mate. He's, a, he's, he's mate. a weapon. But that speaks to that. Like, yeah, we're very lucky in WA to get all of that. But um, yes. So I was doing a lot of that and Matt DeBoer came to me and goes, what do you, what do you reckon we'll do? And which speaks to his vision, vision it like you, like yeah. you say podcast, but podcasting back then was yeah. limited, wasn't it? Yeah, and now it's booming. So did it for did it for a year. I think I reckon I did twelve, twelve. Um, but yeah, I was a bit raw in how I did it. I remember I went episode two, went down to Swan Brewery on a Tuesday. Dennis Cometti, like beautiful episode two. Dennis Cometti, no yeah. worries. And I was like, right, how are we doing this, Dennis? Like, look, I got my phone for record. Like, I think it works best if you get a glass and you put that in there. <laughs> so I'm out of there, listen to it back. It's like, I'm like, oh no, no, good. no, 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 because that was it was a great chat, as you as you know. With he's unbelievable. Um, so you butchered it, butchered it, yeah. Not not sal- not salvageable. Oh, we we put it out there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw about Dennis Cometti. I saw comments on Reddit, and someone's like, "Enjoyed the chat with Dennis Cometti." I didn't know that, that was. Out there. Yeah. I saw a comment on Reddit as well. The top one on that post was it was nice of the airline pilots to let them record this in the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> that was podcasting back then. How far we've come. Oh, that is very good. That is great <laughs> shit. Charlie, that made me yeah. the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, I just imagine you sitting down at the Swan Brewery with Dennis Cometti. Like. No one in there. Tuesday, 10 a.m. Um, Dennis, he's Dennis, a good man. Great Dennis. man. What yep. about the Michael Barlow medal in fantasy? Yeah, the, the, those the guys cash cow, the cash cow of the year. Yeah, Nick Dacos this year, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's humbling. I'd imagine, I would have thought someone would have jumped me. In I think so. It's a first year player that oh, yeah. has a good year. Yeah, goes up in value. Yeah, so Nick Dacos. I think, I think maybe they are wedded to me, and maybe there's a potential there for me to collab with them. There we go. And um, a little collab for me. So I'll jot that down as in my notes to leave here and collab. How's coaching going with um, with Werribee? You head coach of a VFL team. How's that, yeah, how's that been? Loving it. So last year, first year, Victoria only had half a year. Last year, so this year I'd treat it as my first full season. Um, it's it, because it, when I finished, I was probably I went and was an assistant coach under Mark Williams at Werribee, played an assistant, and I was pretty much doing it just to add a little bit of bit of meat on the bone to the contract. But Choco brought me in. Choco's one not to bullshit. Choco's like, well, if you're here doing it, you're doing it. You know, you, you, here's, here's how to code. Here's how to – which I was always – always kind of had a, I think, an ability to, to coach and teach and especially like younger players, you know, midfield staff, craft, all that. Uh, but Choco, yeah, he, he's kind of forceful nature and, you know, you're not here just to take the piss. You're going to do this. Um, it's swayed me now to yeah, be my – own coach mm. and coach your own side. So, and I love it because I've you know coached. I played at Werribee, got drafted out of Werribee, end up back at Werribee. Um, a standalone club, so we we're our own club in a twenty-one team comp against kind of fourteen clubs that are aligned. So it's a unique comp, and it's kind of learn, evolving a little bit. But um, I love it. Yeah. Last question for us: 
Who was the fines master at Fremantle and who was the fines master at Gold Coast? And do, did, did they have those? Mate, it's a, I think I, I'm nearly certain. Was there when, fine sessions at both the clubs? When Ross rocked up, I, I think that became extinct. No fines? No, nah, but Aaron Sandilands always used to have Silly Sunday at his house. He, the best, I've probably said a few people are the best people. Aaron, <laughs> he is the best person in the world. Even though on a silly Sunday ride, I had a UDL. I was getting a bit ahead of myself. <laughs> had a UDL and went to throw it in his bin, into the bin. Yes. It was going in. Nice throw. <laughs> As I threw it, it's like one of those slow motion moments. As I threw it, spied Aaron, stood up to walk across to get something. And I was like, whoosh, whoosh, hits him in the head. No. Hits him in the head. And he looks over and pins me and puts, him, puts me into his mulch. In his garden, like literally head under. He'll come out and I've like, got mulch all through my mouth. Um, but Aaron, like, in terms of fine master, Aaron used to do the silly Sunday, pay for everything as well. Like pizzas get delivered. Someone try and give him 10 bucks, he'd be like, this, this is my day. You put that away. Wow. Dress ups. But he would, yeah, he would um, then kind of you know, allocate, you know, you're scaling that. Yeah, you're doing that. Yes. So he was, uh, he was good at that. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Social media for the, this is for the people. Yeah. I know you know this. And so we're going to wrap this up. You've been a good man with your time. But these are the last couple of questions from the people. You okay with time, Mick? Uh, just checking. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Wednesdays is a great day for me. What right. day was it going out? Wednesday, yeah. yeah very good. <laughs> well, I mean, we were just working around the birth of your child, which again, yeah. congratulations <laughs> about that. But this is from the people for you. You've heard mm. from Dan and I. This is from the guests. Uh, some questions here. Now, this first one, Dan, if you can um, if you can read it out, but then I just want to give it some context for the listeners. So, uh, Gavro543. Okay. Uh, did you get any weird or funny responses when your Insta got hacked? Oh. Yeah. Um, where have I put Are you this? answering this or me? No, I, I just want to give it some context. Where have I put it's this? It's gone. My Insta, no, no, no. Instagram wait, wait, wait. left. Okay. Social media got hacked. This is in inverted commas. This is from an article. What a wild ride the last three weeks have been. Just regained my Twitter after being held captive for three weeks in Turkey, the tweet stated. <laughs> you had to put out a statement because people thought you had been held captive in Turkey. What's happened? Um, you need anyone listening out there that really like your social media and whatnot. Get that um, six-digit authenticator code or whatever two it is. Yeah, that's two-way factor. We got that. I think we. Probably, you need it. You need I think it. We do. Um, Definitely do. Yeah. So my Twitter and Instagram got hacked during like a lot. Twenty twenty, I reckon it was. How, do you know how? No. Oh, you get like an inbox. Actually, I'll out him. It was Jack Lacocious plays at the Suns. Yes. It got like a random inbox from him. And it's like, oh, check this out. You know, one of those ones. Like, oh, I'll check that out. And then my phone screen literally started going like purple and pink and yellow. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? To the point where within 30 minutes after that, um, my Instagram, all my photos have been gone. And they started putting up little photos of pillows and like Instagram logos. And, and I couldn't get in. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. People are texting me saying, well, you're a weirdo, man. <laughs> So that Instagram went, and it went for a while, and and then I like to the point where I'd given up on it and um, started a new one. And then one day, like I just went to my emails and kind of logged back in, tried to log back in. Every time you'd log back in, they'd log you back out really quickly. People were trying to get money off me from Turkey and all that. <laughs> like literally, send money to yeah, Western Union to this address. I'm like, no. <laughs> so anyway, so I, get, you to buy I end up getting account. it back, and I do the, put the two way authenticator code in. And to this day, I don't know how it went again. Like within two months, 
again, something popped up. It was like press the squares with a car in it or something. And I pressed a couple and then it was like, oh, no, that's gone again. So I lost it twice. <laughs> so that that's the um, Instagram, right? But the Twitter, I end up keeping. Like, I end up getting back in and I've still got the same Twitter. But I put that tweet out. Yeah, and then so I got an inbox off Tom Brown from Channel 7 get saying, off. Michael, give me a call when you can. And I was like, no. Why? Like, no. <laughs> this is... Anyway, I was like. And I was, at, I was, I remember clear as day, I was at the gym and I was with a mate. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll figure that out later. And then I got another inbox off a, a lady, Sarah, I reckon, from maybe the West Australian, saying, Michael, I hope you're okay. We want to run a story. Um, give us a call. Uh, like, is everything okay? And then I, then I twigged. I was like, these people actually think physically I've been held captive in Turkey. For your Twitter account. Not yeah. So I quickly told them. <laughs> But I said, look, it just my – and they're like, oh, get on with your day. Tom Brown didn't ever reply. He didn't. <laughs> no story. Move on. Oh, my God. That is unreal. How many, um, like, Nigerian princes have you funded as well? <laughs> I feel like – are you just, like, an easy catch for phishing scams? Yeah, oh. I'm, I'm genuinely – I'm concerned about <laughs> – yeah. I want to get you back to work, mate. Let's keep working through this. That's unreal. Um, Jared O. Porst. A uh, bit of an unusual one here, but Mick – uh, in Mick's first year at Frio, he had to buy his own club merchandise. I only know this because he was $14 short on a media polo and I happened to be in the team store at the time, asked for the cash to help him out and was happy to oblige. <laughs> Did that happen or not? Oh, I wouldn't put it past that happening. <laughs> $14 short for a club polo. I don't know why I'd be... You know, the polos are the worst thing to buy. Yeah, no one's buying those. If I'm, you didn't, that that's didn't the only thing about that that I may, may be questioning that I'm buying a club polo. Maybe like a club jacket or something. That is. But back in the day, you could just go in there and say, "I'll pay that later." Maybe that. Maybe I'll run up, run up, <laughs> run debt in the Rio team store. Hayden Acker, what's your favourite landmark slash establishment in Werribee? Werribee, Werribee, Werribee. Oh, a few. We've got um, Avalon Airport Oval, which yes, is very good. Uh, footy Oval, good very job. good. Well done. Um, hang on. <laughs> Uh, chihuahua.biscuit.chili <laughs> Okay So this is There's an instruction for me in this Look into his eyes And make sure he's being honest okay. Ask him if it's true That Fife doesn't know Some of his teammates' names <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, oh, No I would say that's That's incorrect Okay Lock it in Frenzy 82 That's I, yeah. I, I don't know much Will Monday get to 400 Oh, Dave, he's riding the roller coaster a bit with the whole team, isn't he? So he's having well, – I just think it's remarkable what he's done. So I don't think he will. I don't think – he'd need another full year. Yeah. Yeah. He'd need one more full year. Correct, Charlie? What's he need? Uh, yeah, finals this year and I think full year yeah, and finals no. next year. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No, nah, he'll miss. He'll miss. Yeah. Oh, could love, go, could go on. He'd love to see him. Yeah. Um, Sam's underscore nine. Uh did he believe you could? Uh, sorry, do you believe you could have got the brown low in your first year if you didn't get injured? Now, this is one of the great myths, I reckon, and I'm happy for it to kind of continue as a myth that I was going to win the brown low. On that night, Chris Judd was out by about ten votes when I broke my leg. So I was wondering that. Yeah, Chris Judd was out by ten. I think I was coming third or fourth, which is eh, not too bad, I suppose. But yeah, Judd was home. But the only thing that would have helped was if Judd had got rubbed out for whacking Pav that year. 
yes. ineligible yes. and I didn't break my leg, maybe. Yes. Okay. So there's a fair few things <laughs> there's a few, to go yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moving. Sliding doors. Bon Chabario. Now, before you ask this, I will say that you are the Barney, you're the, you're the, you're the antichrist of Barney Stinson. So Barney Stinson on How I Met Your Mother could never take a bad photo. <laughs> you take a photo, it's a good photo. Yeah. Michael Barlow, I've never seen a good photo of Mar- Michael Barlow. Every, every, I feel like it was every weekend in the West, I'll be getting up, eating my wheat picks and yeah. getting ready to go, and Mickey Barlow had an action shot, he's had an eye shut or a belly hanging out or, a, or a, I don't know, like a spaghetti arms. I don't know what it was, but there was, I've never seen a good one. So this is relevant, this story, uh, this question. So why was your belly always hanging out of your jersey? <laughs> Frio went with um, ISC as their jumper sponsor in 2012. 2011 maybe. And they come and fit you up. They come and fit you up. And they go, all right, they go, we've just been to Sydney. They all want them really tight. Like pretty much if you're a large, you want, a, you want a small. If you're a kind of medium, you want an extra small. So I think I always end up going a small jumper, a really small jumper, like the small ISC jumper. And you'd put it on. And I have this back ass, you know, like my ass <laughs> ends up like halfway up my spine. <laughs> <laughs> and it was um, – yeah, the, the jumper just rolled up the back ass all the time. And, yeah, I actually cut a pretty good figure when I played, right? But it probably didn't look that way because my jumper could always roll it off and you'd see skin. You'd have your tummy hanging out. It was not it wasn't fat. But it was, every game you get the, I had to you get pull the, it down. Why don't you get the, the extended? You could ask for the long one. Yeah, I think I did. But, again, the back ass, unless you <laughs> kind of got your grand, grandparents to pin it to your shorts, it was rolling up. Oh, this is an interesting one. I don't know. I'll have to have a think about this question too. X Green 12. Uh, best off-field derby clash. <laughs> um, you got one? No, just like every now and then you run into West Coast players out. Um, and one night, I think it was after a Waffle Grand Final. Waffle Grand Final. Um, I don't know who I was out with, but I remember Jamie Cripps was out. Cripper. He was out solo. And, and, and when Cripper gets some beers into him, cannot cannot handle the beers. It was all over. <laughs> and great bloke, like, but just um, yeah, funny as and funny, just just real raw. Like walking over to groups of people and like picking up their drinks and pouring it out, and walking over <laughs> to another group. That, yeah, that's not exactly what happened. No, I know no, that that would be mild behaviour. Stu- stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, and it. Um, yeah, I found it just so funny because I'd never, never met him before apart from playing against him. He, he just rolls up. I reckon he just walked up and like started talking, half talking, half kind of doing these other stuff. And it was um, that was that was pretty funny. Cooper, Cooper is a diabetic, and so he's sort of he's learnt to he's matured and learnt to sort of handle his bits a bit better. But you know, early days, country boy. Um, the, the blood sugar levels would kind of you know, I can't remember if it was up or down but right. when, when it sort of got to that state well Cripper's uh, persona turned yeah. into just complete lunatic basically <laughs> so I don't tipping someone's drink out would have been the least of everyone's issues I'm sure um, Jason double underscore McKenna uh, how was it to how was it to play cricket for Shepparton United a, against you're right, uh, yeah, just this, a, it's just how it's written how was it to play cricket for Shepparton United again, again and make runs <laughs> Are you well? When, oh, when it's how, not, was it, how was it to play cricket for Shepparton United again just, and make runs? That would be mark. from one – again, when I finished footy at the Suns, um, came back and just lived with mum and dad for a bit and I was like, you know, just figuring out what I'm going to do, thinking about going back to Perth, maybe staying in Victoria. And um, the weekends open up, don't they? I was like, oh, I'll go play cricket with the old cricket team. Yeah. 
Could only play one day So D grade and E grade I think played one day as everyone else played two days. So I couldn't commit the full double weekend to play A grade, which would have been the capacity. <laughs> so I played D grade with, with these these um, I would call them kids. <laughs> like it was, they were like twelve year olds, fourteen year olds <laughs> on fields the size of that coffee cup. Um, but it was good fun. They loved it, and um, I loved it. Did you make any runs? I did. I made. I, Don't tell me you've not. I made eighty. Century. I made eighty one day, and then I made. Did I make hundred? I don't know. But I've, I've had a few games. I reckon I made a couple of eighties. Very good. Just uh, hitting twelve year olds around the park. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're either twelve or they're seventy. Yeah. <laughs> Mick, uh, a couple of days after the birth of your child, uh, we appreciate your time today, mate. You've been incredibly good. generous, great career, and a couple of good laughs along the way, mate. Well, I uh, appreciate that, guys. Um, you're doing great stuff, and I'm looking forward to that hat arriving. Correct? Yes. No, 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 no. So that hat that you asked about, um, not ours. We've got we got better we got better Beautiful shit for you, mate. So we'll get the flag mantle gear over to you. If you've watched this and you want to get some flag mantle gear, you know where to go. Backchatpodcast.com.au forward slash merch. You can find us on socials, backchat double underscore. Thanks to our supporters and sponsors in Whippersnapper, Shelter, Margaret River Ro- uh, Roasting Co., Blue Bet, and Leadable Cameras. We appreciate you. Thanks to our patrons. If you want to find anything you need to do, backchatpodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.